You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Leading Lady Fitness Podcast. This is Steph Wilberting, your host. Here, we'll be talking about all things wellness, how it impacts our journey and affects the way we show up in the world. Hi, team. I am very excited for you to be here with us today because I am sitting across the Zoom screen from the amazing Kathy Deach. Hello. Hi. I'm so happy this is happening. Same, same. I am really um, grateful for your time. I'm really excited for our chat, and um, we're going to dive right in. A quick little how do we know each other moment. Um, We've known of each other for a while through different friends, and we finally are connecting over this podcast episode, Um, but I knew who you were way back in the day, girl. (laughs) Um, for Listen, those of you I was listen- going to say, a few friends, like every friend, like yeah, that's true. every friend at the top of my list was like, you know, Stephanie, you need to know Stephanie. And I was like, yeah. And then you came to something that I, I got to sing in and, and I was like, oh my God, hi, of course. Yes. And then we finally got together and I was like, oh my God. And then this, another friend, a friend who apparently didn't know all the other business out of the blue, was like, do her podcast. I was like, oh, yes. I love it. Um, so um, I'm, I have like my note description as a Broadway and TV actress, uh, currently L.A. based, but has much, uh, much, has quite the footprint in New York City as well, which I well, desperately I, miss right now. That some fall in New York is hard to miss. I mean, it's easy to yeah. miss, right? Like, yeah, someone just said, like all of the horrible summer and the horrible winter you go through just to get to fall and it tricks you into staying again. <laughs> <laughs> Completely, completely correct. Um, So I'm really excited to have this episode today because um, as I shared with you earlier this week when we chatted, and I've shared with every guest, my goal with the podcast is for people to listen, but then to like leave listening going with a few few different reactions. One, I learned something new. Two, I never thought of it that way, which is kind of the same thing. Um, but that's a little bit more like, oh, like I never like learn slash maybe open your brain, your mind up to some, you know, something. And then three, um, I don't feel alone. I I think that our journey with our body, whatever that conversation is, can feel really lonely. And I don't want people to feel alone because I have felt alone in that journey for like many years and it's really hard. So those are my goals with this. And I think that 
this episode is going to really, really help educate people and um, make them, hopefully, not make them, encourage some light bulb moments to go, oh, 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 right? Um, so anyway, with that said, uh, I kind of want to dive in. Um, if people listen to this and search for you on social media, they will see your own personal Instagram, but then they might also find um, your Instagram page for the Plus This vodcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, how it was born, what it's about, what's its mission. Well, it's so interesting that you said you're an a- actor on stage and TV because I think of myself nowadays as an activist first. And um, I really opened up into that fat activism from doing Plus the Show. And it really started out of frustration, as most do, (laughs) you know, when we're trying to find our place in the world. I think that, you know, creation is the way through it, usually for us artists. So I had an incredible run. I was on American Horror Story recurring. I was in a movie called Loft. I was in Magic Mike XXL. Yes, that's me at the end. With um, with Matt, I call him Matt because he's my friend. Um, so I had this great run, and then it was crickets, and I just wasn't getting seen for anything, and I thought that was just so weird. And it was at a time where um, people were really getting a lot of heat for the lack of diversity. I think that like Oscar So White had just been out that year. And, um, as it should be, and I just want to make everything clear. Like when I'm talking about body bias, I am talking about people of color period. Like it's all the same thing. Um, so, and we'll get into that in a bit, but I, I was looked around and I was frustrated and I was like, why aren't fat people getting auditions? Because I was not the only person going through it at the time. And I met, a friend, uh, a mutual put us together, Eva Tingley, and we created this podcast because we wanted to explore like why if at the time it was 67%, now it's 68%, but at the time it was 67% of American women were size 14 and above. And the other statistic that was juxtaposed to that, is that how you say that word? I'm from Philly, guys, so sometimes like my tongue doesn't work. Um, like, like mayor of Easttown is my life, like how I grew up. So like that tongue thing, I had to like rehabilitate anyway. So, um, putting that side by side, I'll, I'll be, I'll be like my real delicate roots side by side. Why Chinese and uppity word cath, like juxtapage, can't even say it anyway. Uh, sorry. You're welcome. Everyone who enjoyed that show. So next to 67% of American women are plus size is less than 2%, less than 2% are seen in media, film, and TV. And I was like, wait a minute, we're like not just the majority, we're like way into the majority here. So that's what started it. And Eva was totally down with me. And it started out sort of like as this FU to Hollywood being like, where are we? And like, we're talking about diversity in every other way, but we're not talking about body diversity. And, um, of course it's like a crazy nuanced conversation, but what I ended up finding out was the bias in everything, not just in what we see. 
and not just in the psychology of it, how it affects our brains, about how we get biases because there's not re representation, and um, and that ends up having like self-loathing, all of it. So basically, I kind of like cured myself of like hating what I looked like and realized I didn't really have, you know, I would go in and out of like recovery rooms for like overeating and I'm putting that in air quotes, but really it was, I was obsessed with food because I wanted to be thin. So actually I got over my obsession of needing to be thinner and that made all of a sudden my food problems all went away. <laughs> oh, and fascinating. The, Wait, can, yeah. you, can, I, can I ask you a quick question about that? Of so, course. Because um, we, we talked uh, earlier this week and I talked a lot about my relationship with food and, um, and binging. Um, can you just give um, maybe like an example of how, like what that shift might look like in, in real life, like uh, not real life, in like daily life? So if what you're saying is, my obsession was with food was actually an obsession with being thinner. And when I could release that obsession, my relationship with, with food shifted. Yeah, well. Or healed. Or how did, what did that shift kind of look like? Yeah, well, in this work, in the work of fat acceptance, body acceptance, body neutrality, you realize that food is a neutral thing. And we put all of this mark moral dilemma onto foods and we call foods bad and good. And the truth is, is that that's not true. And I have people argue this with me forever. I'm talking about actual food, by the way, not like things that are like human concoctions out of chemicals made into food. That's like a whole other conversation about the food industrial complex that is literally like ruining our environment, by the way. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, actual things that are energy to our bodies. And I, I could list so many examples of things that we are sort of told through the lens of this fat phobic media um, that aren't true. Just one example. I don't know if you remember that all of the news covered how sugar reacts in your brain like cocaine. And everybody went crazy and was like, see, sugar's addictive. And the truth is, if you actually talk to a doctor, a doctor about it, they said when you keep sugar out of your body for six weeks and then have it, it does light up the brain that way in a similar way, but it does not last. It is the restriction that turns sugar into cocaine for people. It is not sugar. So we equate sugar with cocaine and one is a fuel for your body and another one is not. So that's problematic. And that again is fat phobic and it's what the diet industry wants you to believe. So once I, once I realized me being fat wasn't a problem, I was a very healthy person. Like, you know, uh, even if I wasn't a healthy person, my, my body is my body. It's what I, it's what I look like. And I started you know, leaving my food alone and just like eating when I was hungry and when I wasn't, wasn't. And, you know, 95% of your serotonin is produced in your digestive tract, even though we manipulate with antidepressants, the 5% in our brain, your food is what makes right. your serotonin levels change in your digestive tract. So you get comfort from food, period. So 
you know, once I realized like, oh, it's a soothing thing because I'm bio biologically built to have that. That's how babies don't die. That's why they cry when they are hungry because they don't have serotonin. So, you know, once I realized like my, the biology of my body was taking care of things. I only cared about food to be thin. And I know that there's, it's like a very different thing. And I, and I believe probably from your experience, like I never abuse food to a place where like I was binging and it was painful and I, you know, I didn't, I never, I just obsessed about it. And I, and I said, oh, it's because I'm not doing something right that I'm fat. And the reality was, is that no, the cycle of the dieting was making me upscale yeah. my weight. And once I left it alone, like everything flatlined. To say yes and to that, um, two things. I had a coach at one point in my journey say, food is neither good nor bad. Where we can look for change is in our relationship to it, right? If, we're, if we are indeed going like, I need to change this relationship. It's not because I'm eating, like because the pizza is good or bad in the, the lettuce is good, right? It's our relationship to it. And usually our relationship to it is such that we are using food to do things that it just is not meant to do, right? Anyway, that. And then the other thing, um, um, oh, it's just that, like, it just, I love that, by the yeah. way. That is, yeah, it might, the other thing I want to say just like flew out the window. So I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Um, I think this, that's okay. This might be a great, um, this is a great segue. So this next bit I want to ask you about, um, just for the listeners, um, Kathy and I hopped on the phone over the, um, a few days before the episode so that we could just like officially meet and chat through some things. And I left the call going like, wow, I just learned a lot in a very short amount of time. And so we're going to do like a quick, very quick little moment here, um, of, around the history of fat phobia. Um, and I, I'm going to be completely like blunt and honest. When I hung up with you, I thought, oh my God, like I've definitely been afraid of being fat. Yeah. yeah. I spent my whole life and, and, and still think about it. I still do. I'm like being completely honest. Like I'm not saying that I, um, the way I used to, but I think once it's in there, it's really hard for it to go completely away. And now I just feel it and I change the conversation in the moment, right? The self-talk conversation is what's better for me now. But anyway, I left, I was like, yep, I definitely had that fear for many, many, many years. Yeah. Um, and I have clients who tell me every day things that would fall under that category. So with that being said, Give me a little, a little bit of what we talked about the other day around the history of fat phobia. I will. First of all, you are not alone. If you grow up in America, especially as a woman, you have that, which is why when you hear people in other cultures that do not have it, it's like the most unbelievable, refreshing thing you've ever heard. But it also feels like aliens talking. Okay. So one of the amazing things about doing plus this, uh, gosh, for five seasons, um, you know, we started out as like, oh, my God, all my Hollywood friends. Come on, Retta. Come on, Chrissy Metz. Come on. Come on, my shop. So and then um, as I got deeper into being pretty much enraged, um, I started having experts on. And one of the people we got to have on the show because she teaches out in uh, at, in at California University is Dr. Sabrina Strings. And she has written 
an unbelievable comprehensive book called Fearing the, ba the Black Body, and it's the history of fat phobia in America. And basically on the show, she said it beautifully, and the book is like crazy. Like, the book is in amazing. It's, a, it's, it's academic reading, but if you're into that kind of thing, which I am now, um, it's, it's really, it's just all-inclusive. Like, it has everything anyone would ever ask you about it. So in this book, Fearing the Black Body, she pinpoints fat phobia back to white supremacy. And I say that to people online, and they literally lose their minds. Like, you, wanna, you want trolls to follow you on Twitter and <laughs> give you a hard time all day. You just say being, like, like hating fatness is, is white supremacy, and they just lose it. Be but she does it brilliantly. So we're in the Age of Enlightenment in France, 1700s. And they're like, we're enlightened. Everyone should be free. There is no hierarchy. There's no God saying that a king should rule us. However, we want an economy. So how do we say these people over here are less than us and we can own them? So literally the people who had the power at the time went to the people who were the scientists at the time, the greatest philosophers, and said, can you work this out for us? I mean, it was a deal. And they were like, sure. And race science was born. And race science decided that people of darker color were not equal to us. They were lower in ranks on the food chain, if you will. Um, black people were closer to animals. They didn't have... Um, any control over their desires, sexual, also eating. So just like in America, we have this weird hyper-sexualization of black men specifically, but even black women, especially from a very young age, the way we sexualize young black women. It also was, oh, bodies, their bodies look like that because they just can't control themselves. They'll eat themselves into being engorged. That's their natural state. So that's where it began. And then they brought that idea over to the United States and it met with the religious fervor that was happening from the Puritans and other religious sects like that saying, in order to be holy, you have to give up food. Like in, engaging in food is literally not being with God. And, of course, it helped that you send a bunch of people with that belief to a place where we're not even guaranteed you're going to be able to eat, right? right. So it's like all this stuff. It's like all for – to make money basically. So then these two things sort of merge, this British idea of morality from not eating and being thin is you're in God's, you're in God's good grace. And then you have this race science that is like, oh, by the way. Don't get if you are behaving indulgently with food, you are acting like a black person who is less than you. So these two ideas kind of came together and created the monster, which is fat phobia in America. And it is traced back. And, and that's you know what, what I was sort of hinting at earlier with being a white actress who is fat, um, it is not a popular thing for me to say, quite honestly. Um, but casting directors, 
feel more comfortable, comfortable hiring people of color who are fat because they believe it's more natural, culturally acceptable. But it, what it is, is it's fat phobic and it's a history of race science. So a white person being fat is like the worst thing because you're going against your race. And that's something nobody in L.A. is talking about. Um, I don't think people are ready for this conversation. Um, by the way, it's not like I'm like, I should have gotten that job over that black woman. I never think that in a bazillion years. But there is something to look at in people's comfort level with yes. seeing a, a, a black African-American woman as opposed to yep. a white woman in certain parts, especially ones that require power. I think if I was a listener right now to this podcast, I would probably rewind the last four and a half, five minutes, at least once or twice, because there's so much in there. And I just want, I just wanted, because when we left, like I said, when we left our conversation, I was like, this is just something that I didn't know. It's something I didn't know. And, um, and if I can do anything, like I said, is give people the opportunity to go like, I definitely learned something new. And I think a lot of people are learning something right now. So thank you for giving us that like cliff notes. What was the other one called? Spark notes. <laughs> the like, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that whatever is like, version. That is like the, the, the Google search for the cliff notes. That's not even, that's like nothing. Like the book is incredible. Even if you just start with, you know, we, I think we talked with her for 40 minutes on, on plus yeah. this, like go to the yeah. um, YouTube channel where it says experts on plus the show. And she's on there and she's, okay. you know, and by the way, she's a thin black woman and just did this because her grandmother and her would always talk about women's bodies, like being curvier mm. back in the day. And, and it sort of like was a way to honor her, which is so yeah. interesting. Um, it's really fascinating. And it makes me think about, how it has what's the word I want permeated I guess into fitness the fitness industry and fitness culture that how many people myself included at some points many points work out and exercise because they're afraid of getting fat yeah well right I can't you get know, fat. I, I can't get fat. I can't gain weight. I can't like, well, and they, the so way, we're approaching people treat you worse when you're fat. Right. There exactly. Is, exactly. There is medical, but there is medical body bias. This is another study. 17 pounds overweight on that stupid BMI chart. And a doctor treats you differently. 17 I pounds I, overweight. You are not wrong to think that it is worse to be a fat person in America. The fear, I don't blame people for being afraid. I blame the establishment for believing in junk science. Like BMI is junk science and our entire medical industry is, is following I think, it. I think I read an article about the history of BMI was it was created in Germany and the, um, the um, what's the word? I'm like really bad on words. What's the word? Industrial when you have revolution. Like, oh. No, like uh, when you have like this many people are in the study. What's what's the word for like we um, doesn't matter. The pool of participants, we'll put it that way, were um, based on a like thirty-five-year-old white man in Germany in in the nineteen forties. I think. That's no, what, it's older than that. It's, it's older. Like, see, 
it's like turn of the cent. Yeah, no, it's like turn of the century. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. oh, and it was never meant to be on the individual. It was always meant to see like how much you would need to like raise agriculturally in order to feed people. There was like a real fear that we were going to be overpopulated and the resources of the world would be um, used up. So it was sort of based on that scale. It was never, ever, ever meant. It was never created to be an individual thing. And it's now, again, based on science that we have so moved beyond. Yeah. We're like yeah. clinging to life, to this thing that's like over 100 years old. It's so ugh, I want to lobby Congress. <laughs> Um, I want to say one more thing. We're going to take a quick break after this, and then we'll come back, and we're going to shift gears just a little bit. But I do want to say um, the reason why I think this conversation is important, and, you know, I am in the business of fitness and coaching people, and I, you know, I coach people fitness. I coach people who are trying to um, to shift their relationship with food. Um, the reason why I think this conversation is so important is because we – Every day I have this conversation. I want to help people shift away from this need to fix themselves. I love coaching. I love all the types of coaching. But the best part of coaching, all the things with coaching, the best part of it is when people start to discover their power and their strength with what they're doing with their body. If weight loss happens, great. If that's a goal, let's make it about more than size, right? And that's why I think this conversation is so important. So I'm really, really happy that you're here today talking about this. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to shift a little bit more towards Broadway. Um, Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, team, we are back, and we are going to shift gears a bit uh, and taking it into the Broadway community, the Broadway industry. Um, so just before the pandemic, in January of 2020, uh, Kathy, you were in New York and you hosted a panel at BroadwayCon. So yes. um, I'm really unfamiliar with BroadwayCon, believe it or not. Um, can you well, just give a little? Five, it's only five years old. Yeah, so and I I've been out here allowed. for four. So yeah. So can yeah. you just share a little bit about what BroadwayCon is and then what your role was in it? It's literally what you think it is. It's for Broadway yeah. fans, just like Comic Con is for people who love nerd culture. This is for Broadway nerd culture. Um, a bunch of people's our good friend Josh Lehman totally hosted a bunch of um, days at the year I was there. Um, and I had thought about doing a panel the year before and somebody else did it. And um, I got reports back about it. 
And I was like, you know, this could use a little muscle. Like, I love that fans are doing their own panels and, like, talking about these issues. But, like, people who have skin in the game should do it. Mm -hmm. So I was very bold. I called um, my panel... Uh, look at me. I'm like, what did I call it? Oh, um, the rise of uh, a Broadway's body bias, the rise of the Hollywood aesthetic on stage. Mm. And I sort of had this theory that after 9-11 happened, all of the mom and pop uh, investors in Broadway sort of took their you know, balls and went home and, and stopped mm-hmm. investing. And it left this vacuum for Broadway producers and their money to come in. And what they brought with them was their aesthetic. So shows that I saw in the 90s had plenty of fat people on stage singing, dancing, doing all the things. And now, especially, it's really terrible Mm -hmm. that you don't see any fat people on stage. And um, the excuses are terrible. And especially when there are shows about bullying, like I have no tolerance for Mean Girls, I have no tolerance for Dear Evan Hansen, I have no tolerance for The Prom, not having fat people in their shows. Fat kids are the most bullied in schools, period, no matter what their sexual orientation. If they are LGBT, uh, LGBT, LG, oh my God, let me start over. If they are LGBTQ, oh my God, did I say it right? I don't even know. Plus, it's, it's plus, East plus, Town. It's Mayor of East Town again. <laughs> it is. It's it's Philly mouth. I got Philly mouth, yeah. guys. So, um, if they are both, it is even more terrible. But fat kids statistically are are bullied the worst. So, I brought a team. Uh, of people with me, uh, Michael R. Jackson, like literally a couple days before he won the Pulitzer for writing A Strange Loop, uh, Claire Wilcher, who is my dear friend who has an MFA in theater and fat studies um, mm. a concentration. She's incredible. She made like a fat play musical anthology while she was in school because, you know, why not? Uh, Mimi Scardula, who's an incredible dancer and choreographer. Um, and we all just like sat and talked about it. And One of the things that came up was uh, I mentioned auditioning for um, the standby for Elphaba. I was in the original cast of Wicked. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm gross. Like, I should say that first. No, I'm just like, guys, don't you know who I am? (laughs) I mean, listen, as somebody who, as somebody who, me, um, spent countless days and hours trying to get seen for that show and to be the 52nd replacement of you. (laughs) I know who you are. (laughs) If you want, Um, if I can help you sing the line, if you want to work on it, we can totally work on it. Um, there's still hiring people. There's still hiring. It's wicked. People are like, I'm sorry. I haven't seen it. I'm like, it's still going. Like, what are you apologizing me for? It's still happening. (laughs) So, um, God bless them. So I, um, I auditioned to be the standby, but not before I put myself on a weight loss journey because I knew in my heart of hearts that there was an archetype that they felt like they needed to honor of what the Wicked Witch needed to look like, even though it is the story of every person of color, it is the story of every fat person, it's the story of anyone marginalized in the society. So... I couldn't get the single digits, girl. I'm 5'2", and all I ever wanted was to be a size 8 <laughs> at the time. <sighs> and I got to like a 10, and I wore the highest boots I could and dressed in black and had like the audition of my life. Like I 
was Alphaba for those 15 minutes of singing the ends of all the songs. And mm-hmm. this, the girl I did the scene with was like the most incredible reader. It was like I did the Glinda Alphaba scene and it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, and I had literally the, the, I had the audition, what I like to think is the audition of my life. And they, couldn't they all they were already shut down before I walked in I could tell I could tell they were sort of it's almost like I could tell they were arguing about it like why are we doing this like Mm. before I even walked in so and then it was weird because people were like chasing me out in the hallway like Winnie and Steve were like Kathy wait before because I because it was so awkward at the end because I was like no I I literally just did the show for you so now I'm gonna go because no one's saying anything this is really weird and then they like chased me down in the hallway and we're like that was phenomenal so it was nice but but you know um so yeah so but there but you know the head of Universal Studios is not gonna see a short and fat alphabet he's just not gonna do it and there's a part of me that understands it but also like okay but you've done how many performances of it now? Like, right. Like, why aren't we switching everything up? But I, listen, I have my little, the notch in my belt for, mm-hmm. um, like for having Shen Shen was his name, of my character. And like yeah. many, many fat girls have had jobs because I got to do it first, yes. which is very cool. That's always like a very humbling, amazing thing yeah. when that happens. All right, team. We're going to call that the end of part one with my conversation with Kathy Deach. Go fill up your coffee, get some more water in that water bottle, and meet us back here for the last bit. Part two is about 10 to 15 minutes. We belt some Wicked together, and we wrap up this really fantastic chat. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.